0: Check it out. Hits
1: just keep on coming. This is the Rich Eisen Show with guest host Tom Pelissero. He's
0: a, a really talented player. Yeah. Dalvin Cook is not coming in for 4 or $5 million.
1: Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles.
0: There are a bunch of running backs, Josh Jacobs, Pollard,
2: Barkley. The clock's not quite ticking yet. Earlier on
1: the show, Steelers wide receiver Alan Robinson. Still to come. Senior writer for NBA.com, Steve. Bash burner Plus, your phone calls, latest news, and more. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Tom Calicero.
0: You heard me talking there about Delvin Cook. It has been a week. It's been a month. It's been a year for NFL running backs. Saquon Barkley talked yesterday for the first time this offseason at his charity event. Right now, no deal done with Saquon Barkley. No deal done with Josh Jacobs. No deal done with Tony Pollard, the three franchise tag running backs. Dalvin Cook's a free agent. Other guys like Jonathan Taylor hoping that their deals are going to be addressed. And I want to go back to what Saquon said yesterday to the media, talking about his contract situation as well as the market for running backs as a whole.
3: Everyone will to talk about the running back market in this and out the third. Every team is different. Like, everyone, there's a, there's a thing that goes up, and I think you mentioned it before, about, oh, quarterbacks in the Super Bowl and how many rushing yards, the top rusher, but every team is not, like, every team, Pat Mahomes is a two-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time MVP, and, like, this is, not everybody has Pat Mahomes, and this is no not to Daniel Jones, so don't even try to flip like that. And then you look at the Eagles who play, Jalen Hurts, a great quarterback, that team is amazing, but every team is not the Eagles. Every team don't have that much talent. And when you come to my situation, come to me personally I feel like that I helped our team a lot I feel like not only on the field but off the field I feel like as a leader um, I feel like obviously there's a conversation of my numbers going down I think there's a whole lot of other stuff that happened to play as NFL you know we were a one-dimensional team in the beginning of the season um, we're running the ball uh, we have a great coach uh, we played Detroit Lions they came in Bust that ass, stop me. Uh, we, had to, we had to switch it up. And we have a great coach with Dave and with Calf And we had a whole new game plan. We came out and found a way to get the job done and make it to the playoffs. But going to the running back market, when you talk about the running back, no, I don't agree with that. I think that it's not fair because I don't think Tennessee Titans, Tennessee Titans is a great team. But... Derrick Henry's one of those guys on those team. St. Fran's a great team, but Christian McCaffrey's one of those guys on the team. Josh Jacobs Delisco, on and on. And I think when you talk about the New York Giants, um, you know I think even Pierce came on and said it. Uh, I, I have a lot of respect in this league, and I think that's how it should be. Bust that ass.
4: That's the main thing I took away
0: from
3: Put that. Put on a Put T-shirt, that on a shirt,
5: man. That's it's
4: got to go on a T-shirt. That's hey. got to be part of the Giants slogan hey, for this year. 2023 Sorry. Giants, bust that, that ass. ass. Actually, I think Dan Campbell probably already made that into a yeah, shirt. Dan Campbell, for the Lions. Oh, Definitely. Bust that.
0: Detroit Lions, bust that ass. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
5: Saquon,
0: Saquon, is in a different spot because he's made money. When you're drafted, yeah, Del Tupo's yeah, losing yeah, here.
5: Yeah, He was the second overall pick, right? Second
0: overall pick. You're talking about a completely different stratosphere in terms of yeah. the money that he's already banked. Del Tupo, you okay?
5: <laughs> wow, you killed Mike.
0: Mike Del Tufo
4: comes
5: like in, bust that ass. And bust.
1: <laughs> That's it. I gotta get that as a drop. <laughs>
4: That's mandatory. Oh my God, what this is my phone good. ringer. Oh I'm done. Uh, you and TJ just got me. All right, I'm back. All right, we got the be professional guys. Tom's here. Okay, <laughs> bust that ass. Right. Oh,
0: okay. uh, let's just play that on a loop. <laughs> bust that ass. Uh,
4: bust, that ass. Uh, bust that
0: ass. The idea is <laughs> still that even somebody who's made the money that Saquon Barkley has. And really, I mean, he has a case there. They were an offense that was very much centered around him, particularly early last season. The idea that if they don't get the deal done by July 17th, he would hold out for the entire season, to me, feels far-fetched. He didn't slam the door on it. But ultimately, you are talking about giving up money this year. And I think that there's a natural fear for the player as well as the team, that if you do that, your career is going to resume like Le'Veon Bells did. He got a bunch of money from the Jets, didn't work out there, bounced around to three more teams, got released a few times, and then turned into a boxer. Now, I think that Saquon, in terms of natural ability, is about as talented as any running back in the NFL, Thanks. and I don't think that any of us are blaming any player for wanting to get the maximum value that they possibly can. We talked about it earlier in the show, the running back market right now is so depressed that unless somebody can break through and reset the expectations, it's hard, man. It's going to be hard just to all of a sudden say, well, we should get paid more. I'm not suggesting that they all need to band together, though I do suspect based on some of the things that I've heard that they must all be on a group text, (laughs) Saquon and Josh and Tony Pollard and Jonathan Taylor. They got to be talking about the fact that none of them are, you know, right now, Feeling like they're going to get offered money that's anywhere near the the top of the market. I mean, the, the top running back in free agency was Miles Sanders this past year. People within the league had Miles Sanders penciled in as an eight to ten million dollar player. And he sat there for two or three days after the negotiating window opened and signed with the Panthers for, I believe, six point three five million. David Montgomery, another top one, signed for, I think, six. Alexander Madison replaced Delvin Cook for 3.5 a year with upside. So, teams are looking at this. Number one, not wanting to put a ton of money into a position where you do have a depreciating asset. There's no question about it. But also, where you feel like you can replace the production with multiple players. And then, if somebody gets hurt, it doesn't completely gut your team because you weren't paying one guy 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 million dollars. So, who are the special players who can actually force that reset of the market? Saquon is one of them. It's a matter of how you proceed here. How do you attempt to do this other than pushing it all the way to the wall on July 17th and trying to get the best offer? I mean, the Giants made him an offer back in October, November that, with upside, wasn't you know, significant money. It wasn't at the top of the market. It wasn't 16 the McCaffrey's getting. It wasn't 15 the Kamara's getting. But it was significant. Where are they at now? All I can tell you is they've discussed different structures, different things in terms of the base, in terms of the incentives. Listen to Saquon's voice. They're not, in his mind, anywhere close right now. Mm -hmm. Josh Jacobs, there's been virtually no negotiation. If there's one that I think is going to end with him either playing or maybe not playing on the tag, it's Josh Jacobs. I would not anticipate if they don't get a deal done by July 17th. At this point, there is no suggestion that that's going to happen. I don't think he's there at the start of training camp. I truly don't know if Josh Jacobs shows up by the start of the regular season. And that was the centerpiece of the Raiders' offense a year ago. So can that force the issue in some regard? Can Saquon force the issue? Tony Pollard is probably the one that gets done at the lowest number of the three just because of the circumstances here, what Pollard's made in his career. And, you know, even though he's very important to that team, the Cowboys also, their contract structures are very friendly to players. It's a lot of upfront money. That one, if I had to guess right now, I'd say they find a way to to get that one done. But once you pass July 17th, that's it. The only thing you negotiate at that point is, is a improved one year deal. There's no multi year deals after that. So, if you're a running back or you're any player on these tags, you got to dig deep at that point. What are we actually going to do? This is the best we're going to do. Am I going to stay healthy and have a good year? And next March, cash in. And even if I get to next March, is the market any better? Is the market any better for Saquon when the Giants could just go, "We're tagging you again." Raiders could tag him even if he sits out the year. Raiders could say, well, we're, we're tagging you again." And that's the leverage that teams have. If you're a linebacker, you've got all the leverage in the world if you get franchise tagged. It's like an inside off the ball linebacker, which is why nobody tags them right now. Yeah. Because the, the franchise tag number is so high, it actually helps the player in negotiations with the running backs. Once those big contracts, like Adrian Peterson signed in 2011 on an extension that was worth like 12 or $13 million a year, something like that, it was a huge deal. There's only two guys in the league making more than that. Right now, 12 years later, every other position has doubled and tripled. The highest-paid quarterback in the NFL around that time, like 2011, 2013, was Aaron Rodgers making $22 million a year. Ten years later, we've got $50 million quarterbacks. We will soon have a $60 million quarterback. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. maybe again. One of those guys is going to 60. It was 22. That was the top of the market 10 years ago. The cap is like doubled in that span. Wow. But what happened? You had some really big money contracts that got done and it pushed the level of everything else up. The wide receiver market. Why does everybody now get three-year deals that are almost entirely guaranteed at $20, $22, 25000000 million plus? Because that started being the thing. One team did it. The next team did it. Now that's the the way those contracts go with running backs. Right now it's the opposite and it's working against them. So, you know, that's not to say it's right. I mean, it's still, you're still playing in the NFL and you're still making a lot of money. Is
5: it as simple as, oh, it's a passing league now. There's more emphasis on receivers and defending the receiver and getting to the passer. So those are the positions that get paid. Is it that simple or uh, obviously it's not? There's some of that. What is the The, reason?
0: The premium positions for years and years have been quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher. And even left tackle for some teams has been devalued to a degree because the quarterbacks are so good and get the ball out so fast. But those are really the the premier positions. The difference is just those difference-making type of running backs are not getting difference-making type of money. I think there's certainly something to, yeah, I mean, just look at where guys are getting drafted now. You know, you get five, six receivers in the first round every year. You get a lot of corners in the first round, too. You're not seeing very many running backs. We got two this year, and that was a lot. You know, it's just, it's, it's a different type of a marketplace than we were accustomed to seeing here. I mean, running back seems to be the first overall pick. Right. And now, and you know, one of them still went number two in Saquon. That's like the last guy. Yeah, the the, the Kajana Carter days are probably past us at this point. Even B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs. People want to know why, why in the world did the Lions take a running back at wherever they got a number 12 or whatever the pick ended up being that they traded back to because they think he can be a difference maker. But you're getting him at a rate – that's actually going to be less than if you went out and you paid a Dalvin Cook on the open market. Again, Dalvin Cook's going to get a bunch of money. If Saquon or Josh Jacobs got their tag rescinded tomorrow, they'd go out and make a bunch of money. If those teams become willing to trade those players, they're going to do well, but it's not going to be at the top of the you $15-$20 know, million range. It's just, it's not going to happen. The only way you bring that back is if some guys take a stand to get that money, but in order to do that, You've got to be prepared to do what Le'Veon Bell did. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, back in 2017, the deal was basically done. It was five years. It was over $12 million per year. He would have made, I want to say, top of my head, 30 over the first two years and 42 over three. So it was big-time money that the Steelers were offering. And it was more or less all agreed to. And like the story, as I understood it, was Le'Veon was going to go in and sign it and then just changed his mind Like at the deadline. I'm not signing it. Ends up holding out, comes back, plays on the tag. Then the next year, holds out entirely. He's already you know left money on the table at that point. And that's one of the things you always have to remember in these situations when we're talking about holdouts, the potential of missing an entire season, or even like Lamar Jackson, where you can break down his contract that he ultimately got any which way. The reality is, by not pushing the issue two years earlier, when he was entering year four as a former NFL MVP and making like $3 bucks, there's money he left on the table in 2021 and 22. You can't get back, no matter how big the next contract mm-hmm. is. So for the running backs, short earning window, if you've made not that much money in your career, giving up $10 million or not taking the 10 $11, 12000000 million per year deal, it's hard. And that's not to argue it from the standpoint of the teams, though certainly that's part of why they don't feel the need to pay up. You've got a captive audience here. These guys are all being tagged for the first time. You can tag them again in a year. You want to take the money now. We'll right. pay you more than two tags up front. And then we get a deal on the back end.
5: Melvin Gordon, who kind of did something similar, kind of passed up on what looked like a sure thing contract but you know, didn't work out. Right.
0: Ended up taking less. I mean, Jamal Williams was another one in free agency this year where the Lions offered him more money. I believe it was more than a million dollars more per year. They wanted more money. The Lions at some point went, well, David Montgomery's going to sign. We Mm got to do something. Like, you either got to take it or not. They turned it down. He gets, David Montgomery gets $6 million per year in Detroit. And I want to say Jamal went to New Orleans for like 4.5. Like, that's a, now there's moving parts in free agency that don't exist at this time of year. But there are things like Dalvin Cook sitting out there. And you have to be wondering on some level, whatever Dalvin's going to get relative to what we're being offered right now, this might make a lot more sense than it would seem to on the surface or it would have seemed back in March when these teams were probably trying to get a deal done. If the market's going a certain direction, I mean, there's no justification to say Dalvin Cook should be making less money than Miles Sanders, right? And he's not. He's going to get more money than that. But is it going to be closer to Christian McCaffrey? I don't know. I don't know what the numbers get there just because of the time of year that we're in here. So we'll hear more. I don't know if we're gonna hear directly from Saquon again. I think he said his piece. Yeah. Not about Daniel Jones. Don't spin no, it like that.
5: Not about this is not about Daniel Jones. Breaking.
0: But there is, about, is no quarterback like Patrick Mahomes yeah. in the entire league. <laughs> there won't
4: be. It's just, don't
0: take any comments to be anything else other than Patrick Mahomes is really good and could single handedly carry a team.
4: And busting that ass. And
0: bust that ass. <laughs> bust that ass, Del Tufo. <laughs> Stop.
4: We need that. <laughs> 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 all right. Fit in perfectly with your reaction so Monday thought, Tom. Oh thought my the, God. the beginning of the drop was someone busting ass. Hey, yeah. hey. That's right. Hey. That's, right. So
0: that's two for Del Tufo today. We got to take a break. Speaking of uh, guys carrying teams single handedly, Nicole Jokic falls in that category, I oh, think. Oh, single handedly? Okay. Jamal Murray, too. Yeah, yeah. Jokic does a lot, even if it's not all one highlight. Steve Ashburn is covering the NBA Finals, game five tonight in Denver. What does Ash think about this series? What do you think about the future of LeBron James? We'll get into a lot with Steve coming up after this on the Rich Eisen show.
1: Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit gametime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep, because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
6: I represented a costume manufacturer against Barney the Purple Dinosaur. <laughs> they sold this thing called Hillary the Hippo which looked exactly like Barney. <laughs> and it was just being rented for people to do uh, you know uh, parties yeah. for their kids and yeah. all that. So we wanted to settle the case right away, but they wouldn't settle it cuz they wanted to make a they wanted to make an example out of it. Oh, no. So we went to federal court and won. No kidding. Yeah, we won. And, uh, and we wound up, then it went to uh, the, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. I had to argue about Barney the Purple Dinosaur, one step away from the United States Supreme Court. The funniest part, and because the case is over, I can say this now, Yes. Um, I had I had, had the costume, the evidence of the trial, I had the costume at home for some reason. Yes. And my wife and her friends used it to have a birthday party for some of our kids. <laughs> for some of the kids in the neighborhood. And they had all you know, this is back before cell phone pictures and all <laughs> sure. that. So they had pictures of all this and I'm like, are you what are you doing? Like do st- you realize this could end the trial right here if if the you know if the other side got a hold of this? <laughs> I subpoenaed Barney to the trial. <laughs> Honest That's to God, what, gets I subpoenaed Barney to the trial. The other side said, You're, "You know, Your Honor, um, yeah, you know, we can't do that. There are only three of these costumes in existence. It's yes. on the road doing this. The hardship of bringing it in, and the costume is uh, six foot eight inches tall, weighs like two hundred and fifty pounds or whatever." And I stood up. I said, "Your Honor, I'm six eight and I weigh about two forty. I got in here just fine." <laughs> And so the judge ordered the costume and they brought it, they brought it, opened up this big truck, and they wouldn't let anybody see it unless somebody was in it. Barney pops out of the back of a truck onto the loading dock. The judge came down, all the the, the court reporter, and every employee of the federal building was there uh, to see it.
1: This is a celebrity, right? It, was the, it celebrity. was
6: the dumbest thing you'd ever seen in your life. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. I am sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Tom Pellicero in for Rich today. Please be joined right now by Senior Writer for NBA.com. He used to be a frequent guest of the old Tom Pellicero show on local Minneapolis radio oh. over a decade ago. My friend Steve Ashburner is with us. Steve, great to talk to you again. Where did we find you today?
2: Uh, hi Tom. I'm in. Uh, I'm in Denver. I'm awaiting uh, Game Five and what a lot of people here think is going to be the uh, the final game of the NBA Finals.
0: So are they right now putting up the road barricades and whatnot already? <laughs> are there store owners, you know, nailing up wood over their glass windows? Like set the set the scene for me there in Denver.
2: Yeah, I just came in from outside. It's raining, so nobody is outside, um, you know, uh, and and uh, that includes uh, city workers. I've seen no signs of that. It's actually been a pretty low-key final city. I mean, when you're close to the arena, you get a sense, you know, that there's a buzz there. But um, just in the downtown, uh, you know, restaurants, uh, bars, I assume, if I were to go to any. Um, sure, Steve, they, get that uh, in
4: there. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's, pretty okay. it's not, uh, It doesn't take over the city. At least it hasn't the way I've seen it in some of the, I would say, the Rust Belt cities like Milwaukee and Cleveland and, um, you know, the cities where it seems you live and die on your sports teams. I think, I think the, the array of outdoor activities here, like a lot of West Coast teams it, it, uh, and cities, it's, it almost um, has people a little less engaged. You
0: can just say everybody's high, Steve. You really coded that well. <laughs> everybody's very <laughs> mellow there.
2: You <Yeah, laughs> talk about smells. You notice that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you, you, you've you been covering this series. You've been in all the games. Game five tonight in Denver. What signs of life, if any, do you see from the heat to make you believe we might see a game six here?
2: Oh, I mean, it's their... It's their life force it's it's their orneriness. it's um you know pluckiness, feistiness, all of that that intangible stuff about you know we're going to be the team that you can't put down. you know this is uh, Michael Myers sitting up you know in the background uh, you know in in Halloween when you think he's gone i mean that's that's how this uh, Miami team operates, and it has served them well um, There's a point though where. You know, never say die. You eventually have to say die. Um, it, it it just seems that four rounds in, you know, having done what they did as a an asterisk number eight seed, they technically were the seventh best team in the East, and then they lost the first uh, playing game, so they they started to play from eight in the uh, in the tournament. But um, to do what they've done, remarkable. Um, you know, all credit to them, but they have limitations that that were in play to get them to that seventh place uh, finish in the East. And, you know, they, I think they've butted up, butted up against some of that stuff. I mean, they're scoring uh, offensively. They, they rank very low and they're having a difficult time getting to a hundred in, in the finals here against Denver, a team not necessarily known for defensive prowess. And, um, you know, they're, they're trying to do this with Jimmy Butler as their best player. And you don't see a lot of that in, NBA championship um, annals. The, 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 the history of the, the league is you really do need a Hall of Fame, sort of a no-brain Hall of Fame type player to carry you, to get on his back and, and go all the way. And the only comps I can think of for Butler, um, you know, in recent memory, uh, Chauncey Billups, when Detroit won, I think it was 2004, that was really an ensemble Pistons team. And, I mean, you have to reach all the way back to maybe the, the Supersonics in 1979, Seattle, when they had a franchise, you know, for Dennis Johnson, who, who was a Hall of Famer, um, but not really a superstar, and he and Gus Williams carried their, their team. So, you know, you, you do, this is a star-driven league, and um, if Jimmy Butler's your number one, um, it might explain why you don't get all the way over the top.
0: What is Jimmy Butler in your mind at this point? Is he a good two on a championship caliber team, like where, where does he fit in at this stage in his career?
2: Yeah, well, I, you know, I think that now I, I will qualify all this by saying, you know, I was in Chicago working out of that city when he um, uh, came in as a rookie and I kind of underestimated him at every stage. First I thought, well, he's the number 30 pick, last pick of the first round. He came from Marquette. I went to Marquette. So I had sort of had a rooting interest, but I thought, hey, he's going to have a tough time making it in this, in this league. He's got shorter-than-usual arms. Is, uh, the trajectory on his jump shot is flat. Well, he established himself defensively first with Tom Thibodeau, and then he um, you know, took off from there, and he has exceeded any ceiling that I might have had in my head about him. Now, that said, um, I do think, yeah, at any, at any point going forward, including this year, but certainly as he hits age 34 and beyond, he needs to be your second-best player at best. Miami needs, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a Damian Lillard type, and he's that young either. But, you know, you need, he needs another guy. He's also not a natural-born scorer, and so he functions best as, you know, facilitating the offense, um, taking over, you know, some tough defensive chores sometimes. Sometimes and that, that requires energy that you can't just all leave at the other end so um yeah I, I think you know all props to jimmy for for getting this team to this point and having done it in the bubble a few years ago, but um it goes against the grain of what the traditions are and i'm not I will not cut any any slack for you know an ankle uh, turn two series ago i mean people people don't cut a lot of players, you know certainly star players slack if they have an off night, regardless of their injury situation. So you want to you you know, play at that level and be in that conversation. Um, by now, his ankle should not be an issue. Now, you know, if he has surgery a week after the series ends, you know, then I take it back.
0: Senior writer for NBA.com, Steve Ashburner, is our guest. Steve, you've covered this league for a a long time uh, in Minneapolis, in Chicago, nationally here. With Nikola Jokic, and, and I've been trying to think of this for several days here about who the best comparison would be to him historically because to me and again I've always qualified this with I have very cursory NBA knowledge I'm not I cover the NFL for a living that takes up a good majority of my time but to me he looks in every regard like a throwback type of a player from the 50s in terms of everything from the haircut to the way that he shoots the ball to the pass first type of mentality at times if you have if you have a comp through your entire time covering the league for the Joker who is it
2: I'm not going to go back nearly that far. I think he reminds me in a lot of ways of Tim Duncan. Uh, you know, low to no profile away from the court. Um, you know, his accent sort of, uh, limits his engagements with, with the media. Well, with, with Duncan, it was just his simple stoicism, um, and where he played and, and not having a flashy game, uh, facilitating, facilitating teammates. Um, I don't think Duncan had any top 75 guys at his side when, um, you know, he helped that team win five championships, and, uh, well, David Robinson for, you know, at the start. But, um, you know, certainly later, Parker and Ginobili Hall of Famers, but largely because they played with Tim Duncan. And I think, I think Jokic, to me, is reminiscent of that. He didn't excite people, you know, and, and it, it usually, to use a popular term these days, um, the, the casuals, you know, people that aren't diehard basketball or NBA fans, you know, might not engage as much with um, Jokic's game. Same as Duncan, you know, the big fundamental, as Shaq called him. And, you know, that's not as exciting as the dunks and the, the barrage of three-point shots and, you know, ferocious, you know, give me that uh, rebounding type of things. So um, that's my comp
0: and that's i made the same point earlier ash i don't know that if you and again i'm i'm certainly in that casual category and i think that a lot of people especially young people consume the game now through highlight reels right it's it's youtube and it's a highlight on twitter here and there i don't know that there's a single jokic highlight that you just sit back and go wow that was amazing there's no you know lebron james michael jordan level thing it's just when you sit there and watch him through an entire 48 minute game and everything that he does up and down the court and the way that he creates things for other people and then somehow again even without the highlights you get to the end of the game and he's got 30 20 and 11 and you go wow that was that was a remarkably effective game for somebody who maybe isn't going to have a single thing that's in the sports center top 10
2: well i mean I'm, I'm sure you can find um highlight reels of his passes yeah. and a lot of those are breathtaking now you know admittedly i mean his vision his court vision is one of his greatest strengths well we can't look through his eyes but we see the end result When he sees cutting players and opportunities and openings that very few people could hit and delivering that ball, um, I feel a little bad for him from the standpoint that if the improbable were to happen and Miami were to claw its way back and steal these finals at this point.
4: That is Steve Ashburner, senior writer for NBA.com. With all due respect to the Miami Heat and the fans, it looks like whether it's tonight or. The next game, Denver's going to put this to bed, right? I think so, yeah. So my thing is, you know, you're looking at this team, you're looking at the structure. You know, there's a new salary cap coming into the league, and my thing is, Chris, do do we feel? And I, I'm hesitant to use the D word, but do you feel like Denver can do this? Are they a budding dynasty, or do you feel like this is kind of like? A one and done. Okay. Are we seeing a a kind of shift in the way basketball was played? Because, you know, the Warriors kinda they they kind of made the Steph Curry blueprint about how to run off some titles. And now the Nuggets are kind of doing it in a different way. So do we feel like this is something that can be sustained? Can the Nuggets like continue this? Or is this kinda like a one and done? That's kind of what I'm interested in. Great question.
5: Love where your head's at. Thank you. Um, that's a Wedding Crasher's reference, <laughs> Mike, Mike, I, Mike, I, Mike. Mike would know that, Tom. I think the way Denver runs its team, right, it's very unique to them and their situation, right? No other team has a point center, mm-hmm. okay? I mean, LeBron, I guess, could play center, and he you know, always has the ball in his hands. But if you look at other teams in the West, okay, Lakers are old. LeBron is near the end of his career. I think it's safe to say. Phoenix is in kind of a bit of a turmoil new coach, Chris Paul, is he gone? Yes, you have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and that is enough to be a contending team. They're going to be top four next year, I think, Mm -hmm. in the West, right? And you look at the other kind of teams. Memphis has this John Morant situation, even though they weirdly played better without him the last couple of years, but still, anytime your superstar is set to miss 25-plus games, that's an issue. So, yeah, I think Denver can (laughs) kind of keep this going for a while. Joker's... And in his prime, which is going to go on for now a few more years, there's Jamal Murray is now a super-duper star in this league. Uh, They've got the pieces around them. I don't think there's any reason why Denver can't string a little run here and make two, three, four finals in a row. I don't I, I don't see that being an issue at all
4: yeah, that's kind of my thing I've been thinking about you know and, and as the clipper fan here i I keep sitting back and wondering what if you know had they stayed healthy? But the fact is I came and look at like Tom because they never stay healthy. There's always <laughs> something weird that happens with the clippers, so I don't even think you can really count them in the mix of toilets. Oh, Basically, Uh, you know, can't really count them in the mix because there's always a hamstring or a finger or an ACL or something weird that's going to take out a Clippers squad. But the Warriors are
5: going to be a year older. Uh, Dallas is kind of interesting, what Mm -hmm. they end up doing. Does Kyrie stay? I mean, LeBron James, is he suddenly in the mix uh, down there? Luca's looking like he's lost some weight a little bit, if you've seen. Luca's working out workout videos from Luca. Sacramento, do you think they were kind of a one-year... Flash in the pan? I think is that able to build on? Is what that sustainable? Built. I mentioned Memphis and Phoenix, uh, Minnesota. They're an interesting case too, but uh, do you really think they can contend for the one seed? Unclear. Denver is a really good team. I think they're going to be a really good team for the next few years.
0: Meanwhile, one health-related update for tonight: Tyler Harrow upgraded to questionable. Hasn't played in eight oh. weeks <laughs> since undergoing ooh, surgery ooh, for ooh. broken right hand. Sounds like he's going to attempt to play according to reports. How
4: significant is that, TJ? A very significant. Well, I mean, I want to say very significant, but like you just said, he hasn't played in, eight, in what, eight weeks. We're talking about eight weeks. Oh, man, that's like how much cardio were you getting in? You know, right. uh, were you doing any? Yeah, I, ran a lot I, of bucket I, hats. I feel. Yeah, I always text Brockman during the <laughs> game during the last like three Miami series and said that Tyler Harrow looks like a SoundCloud rapper sitting on the (laughs) Miami bench. Um, I I think one of the most interesting things about Harrow is when he broke his hand, how he sat there and tried to get out of the game, they threw him the ball and he hit a three with a broken hand. So, but I don't know, man, sitting out that long. I Look, maybe he'll have the Willis Reed effect. Maybe he'll come out, but then again, Willis Reed played in front of the home crowd. Harrow will be on the road. I, I I don't know. Maybe he can come out and hit like two threes and get the heat fired up. I don't know. They need something. They need him, man. And it was and Kevin that, Love they, trying to give him a boost
0: him. last game. That lasted about two possessions. Yeah. And it was okay. That's enough.
4: That's all he, that's all he had, that, had that, him, That's plenty.
0: Uh, we got another notable name not showing up for an NFL minicamp. camp. Is this one going to hurt Brockman? We'll find out. Coming up right after this, it's the Rich Eisen Show. Tom Pellicero in for Rich.
1: Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. This is a letter written in March of 1998 to Colts owner, Jim Ursay, who at the time, a month away in the draft, the decision between you and Peyton Manning. Right. It's from Hunter S. Thompson. (laughs) Oh, dear James. Dear James. Dear James, in response to your addled request for a quick $30 million loan to secure the services of the Manning kid, I have to say no at this time. But the Leaf Boy is another matter. He looks strong and Manning doesn't, or at least not strong enough to handle that welcome to the NFL business for two years without a world-class offensive line. How are you fixed at left OT for the next few years, James? Think about it. You don't want a China doll back there when that freak sap comes crashing in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me know if you need some money for Leaf. I expect to be very rich when this Depp movie comes out. Your faithful consultant, Hunter, and it's signed HST, the absurdity of the fact that a Hunter S. Thompson knew who I was, and b that he was he was trying to persuade Mr. Ursay to draft me instead was just comical, and tw- not to see it for 20 years. How does it? It just it's just nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Right. I called John Walsh of ESPN. It's a thousand percent real. Wow. And Hunter S. Thompson was a huge NFL fan and obviously had an opinion on on the 1998 draft. This well, I think
4: now that we know that ev- a lot of people had an opinion on the 1998
1: <laughs> NFL draft. This and is amazing. Isn't that am- I love and that line is that you don't want a china doll back there when that freak sap comes crashing in.
6: <laughs> the irony of all this, this to
1: right? The That's irony true. of
0: this, he would go on and play start the most consecutive games of anybody That's
4: and <laughs> I would be injured going into year 2 and miss the entire oh season. God. So we're just just reminding
5: people. Strong
1: of, underlined. Yeah, strong. strong.
0: Patriots not at full attendance, Brockman, oh, as they ooh, began their ooh, mandatory no. minicamp today. No Lawrence guy. That, that, that one, we'll see exactly how that plays out, because if you look at his contract that right now, it's fair like to say he's issue, yeah. substantially underpaid. Yeah. Also not there, Trent Brown, but... According to Mark Daniels from Mass Live, flight canceled because of a hailstorm. That's why he's not there.
5: In Texas. A hailstorm in Texas. Wild,
0: wild guess, that's not enough to avoid a fine.
4: So it'll be about 15K <laughs> out of today. It's like baseball size.
5: It's, it's a yeah. real deal. I'm sure Bill doesn't care. Yeah,
4: Bill he does not. He he want to it's,
0: it's the same thing. The speeches <laughs> that they always give in terms of, like, okay, it's snowstorm coming in. You need to find a way to shovel out. Leave early. You need to be here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unless we get special permission, that is not an excuse. Trent Brown is is stuck on that team. He was one that early in the off season there were some questions about whether or not potentially uh, he could be on the outs. I believe they restructured his contract at some point, and so sounds like he'll be a part of that uh, that Patriots team here. The only player absent that we know of for sure related to contract is Daniel Hunter with the Vikings, who's a three-time Pro Bowl pick, 28-year-old pass rusher, he's got like 71 career sacks, 10 and a half last year, fully healthy. And the the situation in Minnesota continues to be fascinating to me. I, I understand the philosophy of it in terms of you need to make some of those hard decisions with the players that are making a lot of money, who are in a lot of cases veteran players, in relative to trying to keep your core of those young guys together for the long haul here. So they moved on for a bunch of players throughout the course of the offseason. Dalvin Cook was the one that I would say people within the league were the most surprised by that they couldn't find a way to work out something in terms of a pay cut or a trade. But Dalvin wasn't adjusting his contract and so that kinda of went out the window. And now here you have Deniel Hunter, who's another one of your locker room leader type of guys on a team that I believe, top of my head This is how fast the NFL moves. I believe the only two players left on the Vikings who were part of the Minneapolis miracle game are Daniil Hunter and Harrison Smith. I don't think there's anybody else left now after Cook, Kendricks, Thielen all moved on. So you're going in a really young direction here. And at the same time, you're coming off a 13-win season. You still got a veteran quarterback in Kirk Cousins who's playing out in a contract year and has the opportunity to once again hit the market, just like he did back in 2018, as one of the highest profile and the guy who's going to make the most money of any of the free agents. Which brings me to a really fascinating question here, because, and we'll see what the season goes, how the season goes for Minnesota overall, how it goes for Kirk Cousins, who put up some of his best numbers a year ago, and for the second straight year, was really good in a lot of clutch situations. You like that? If Kirk Cousins... (laughs) Become, if he plays out this season, if he plays roughly the level that he did last season, which Kirk's always going to be a borderline, depending on how you have him, borderline top 10 type of quarterback, how much is he getting on the open market? And how, for how many teams is he going to be an upgrade? The top of the quarterback market right now is $50 million plus. Is Kirk Cousins a $50 million plus quarterback when he's the only one getting out there? Jimmy Garoppolo was the one this year, and his deal was, I want to say, for $28 million a year. 25, somewhere in there. Mid-20s, high-20s. A lot's been made of the contractual clause, but anybody who knows how the Patriots have done their contract for years knows that they put those waivers in everybody's contracts and nobody gets their signing bonus until they sign. Just unique when it's your starting quarterback and you have a press conference, you delay for a week or two and then still bring him in. But every expectation has been he's going to be healthy. He's going to be ready for camp. Hopefully the foot holds up fine. But... They plan on him being the quarterback. He didn't have that break the bank type of market this year, but still got paid handsomely by the one team that had made the most sense for him to, for, you know, to go get him. Who goes after Kirk Cousins after this year? If we just game this out on a broader sense, for the quarterback market in general, and the number of players who potentially could be available at that position after the season. So if we just look at the quarterbacks, it's clearly him. You got Ryan Tannehill, can become a free agent. We'll see how the season goes in Tennessee. But another guy who's made a lot of money, won a lot of games, gone to the playoffs. Baker Mayfield on a one-year deal. We'll see what happens with him in Tampa. He also becomes a free agent here. Then you've got the Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston, Gardner Minshew, mm-hmm. Jacoby Brissett, Marcus Mariota's of the world. And then there's all those other unresolved situations. In a year, they remember... A lot of people right now, and things can change. We've seen this change before, but a lot of people look at the 2024 NFL draft as being potentially one of the best for quarterbacks we've seen in a long time. Caleb Williams, Drake May, there's going to be some other names that get pushed up into that conversation as well. Those guys should, again, based on what we saw last year, be high, high picks, if not number one and number two in some order hmm. overall. What happens with Kyler Murray after this season? He's probably not going to be healthy to start the season. At some point he plays, but the Cardinals have loaded up. They're quite likely not going to be good this year. They could be in position to draft a quarterback and potentially trade Kyler Murray. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, but they have certainly amassed assets like a team that thinks they might need to go out and get a quarterback. There's other quarterbacks who potentially could be available for trade at some point after this season. There's a lot of quarterback movement that can happen within the league. But the hard part about projecting that stuff out is if we were sitting here last June doing this show, would anybody have been sitting there going, well, Geno Smith's definitely going to hold down that Seahawks job (laughs) and they're probably going to re-sign him. Geno only signed a one-year extension. That's another job that potentially could – he could become available after the season. The Seahawks could be in a position, even though they should be pretty good this year, they could be in that quarterback market a year from now. And they definitely got practice. Looking at the quarterbacks, because they did the tour with all yeah. of them, taking selfies and talking to all these guys. What becomes potentially of that situation? What becomes a, your guy, Mac Jones, Brockman?
3: I know. Big He's in a big year for Mac.
0: It's a big third year coming off big a really disappointing Mac. season for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Bill O'Brien comes in. I am really interested to see that dynamic between Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien, because they both have tempers. They're both highly competitive. You could see some fireworks on the sideline potentially at potentially points this season. Unlike any we've seen since Bill O'Brien versus Tom Brady, which is a very productive relationship. Let's go. Nothing wrong with that. That's what I like. But what, what happens with Mac Jones? What happens with Tua? After the season, they exercise his fifth-year option, so they've got him fully guaranteed in 2024. I think we all hope on a human level Tua is healthy yep. and comes out and plays well and can put the concussion issues be, behind him. We just don't know. They don't know exactly what direction that all is going to go for him, you know, through the course of his uh, career here. So that's a lot of potential quarterback upheaval after this season. But to me, it also comes back to, we, we were just talking with Steve Ashburner about, you know, how Jimmy Butler, Nicole Jokic, like how you look at them in terms of being able to be the centerpiece of a team. It, as Steve says, a star driven league, you need the star players to win. I think that you've seen, outside of Peyton Manning in 2015 with the Broncos, which we talked about before, a Hall of Fame caliber player who was not performing at a Hall of Fame level that season. Other than that, there's very few examples of a team that won it all, won big, and didn't have one of those guys. Patrick Mahomes, as long as he's upright, is going to be a Super Bowl contender every year for another decade. Joe Burrow should be in that conversation every year for the next decade plus. Josh Allen, same category. Josh coming off a down year, too. He was playing with a goofed-up elbow for most of the season. A lot of people don't even know. I mean, he was wearing a, a brace on that elbow because of the damage that he had. And, and then eventually just got to a point where it was several games into it, and he's just like, I, I can't do this. I like get to change his throwing motion. He eventually took the brace off. He was slinging it at the end of the season. But he played hurt last year. A fully healthy Josh Allen. Should be in that conversation every year. Like you got to put Jalen Hurts in that conversation. You can compete with Jalen Hurts. And because of the team they've put around him and maximizing things, and they've given him receivers, and they've given him a defense, they're willing to, to push some things in terms of from a cap perspective and make sure they're putting a good team around him. That's a guy who, again, smaller sample size than some of the other guys we're talking about, but Jalen Hurts over the last season and a half has been playing close to as good as anybody in the entire NFL. Factual. I don't know what how, where Lamar fits into this. He's got one playoff win. He's not been healthy two years in a row down the stretch. Now he's been paid. Does he push through those injuries now that he's gotten his check? Maybe. He's still a dynamic player, but he's got a whole new offense in front of him. If you don't have one of those, and I may have forgotten somebody here, I'm going off the top of my head, but if you don't have one of those handful of guys, can you win? Do you feel like going into a season, if you have anybody other than Mahomes, Josh Allen, Burrow, Jalen Hurts, maybe a couple of other guys, do you really feel like we can win the Super Bowl this year? Or do all the stars have to align? Everything has to go right for you to have a chance. And that's to me, that's the NBA. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to watch a lot of the teams. And the Heat are an example of a team that's found a way to push through, even though they don't have that star power. They don't have the traditional one, two, or three punch of other teams. But do you really feel like if you are a fan of the, the Timberwolves, you're a fan of mm-hmm. the Mavericks, at least going into ne- of last season? You've got, you got Luka, who's a very good player, but do you really feel like you could put everything around him? To me, that's, that's the modern NFL right now. Do you have that guy or do you not? And if you don't, you're going to keep looking until you find that guy. Quincy Adolfo Mensa, who's the Vikings general manager, made comments along those lines.